When I stand up to preach the gospel, I often preach to people who have no idea who God is because they worship idols, very terrible idols. Uh, they, they spread the table for their gods. And I tell them that the Christian God does it the other way around. He spreads the table for his children. And in other, the other religions, the people always seek God. In the Christian faith, God seeks man. Yeah, we had a great time Wednesday night. We want to invite you to come out for the second part of this. Um, it's uh, very, very moving. Uh, it's good to see you today. I hope that this is a great, great day for you. I hope it's a great summer. Uh, I hope you're having a, a wonderful time. And today I want to talk with you um, about being confident. And so our title of our message today is Be Confident Because the Lord is Good to you. <laughs> so we're going to talk to be confident because the Lord is good to you. So we're going to be talking today about, about the fact that we serve a good God. He's, he is a good God. And um, I, I do hope that, uh, well, I have a goal. I have a goal this morning. And my, my goal this morning is to haunt you with the idea that God is good. And I want you to walk out of here today with the idea that you have, a, you have had an encounter with a good God. You've had an encounter with a, with a loving God that really cares about you. And uh, when I still, I've told some of you my, my, my story growing up that I grew up as a, ki when, as a kid. My, my father was a, he was a drunk. He, he really was. He was just, um, he was very, very young, very young. But it was just in his, his bloodline to be an alcoholic. And he was um, going nowhere fast. He was a hard-working oil field worker. Uh, would come home every night and just get just get stinking drunk, and I remember it very clearly as a kid. And then a little later on, my dad got saved. Now I'm using the word saved. I mean he he didn't have a he didn't have a slight encounter with 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 God. He didn't um, he didn't um, uh, come to a conclusion that that there is a real God up there. 
God just knocked him over. My, my dad got saved. Radically changed his life instantly from a from a, a guy that was getting drunk every night and uh, fighting with my mom. I remember those. I was very young, but I remember it very, very clearly. And so when they got saved, everything changed in our household. Everything changed. And I was, I mean, my, my morning started off with, 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 uh, with Christian music. Um, and I just want to encourage you moms and dads, make sure you start your kids off with a really positive thing with your kids. Things are good. But there's a, there was a song that I heard quite a bit as a kid because it was a little kid's program in the morning my mom would play. Uh, on the radio, and this, this was a song that was there. Now, up in the, I, I have a place that I frequent up in the mountains, and uh, pretty close to it, there is an apple tree that grows. It's, it's a wild apple tree. Uh, it wasn't planted, obviously it wasn't planted by anybody that uh, wanted an apple tree growing there, but it's this wild apple tree. And every time I drive past that apple tree, I ask myself, did Johnny Appleseed plant that tree? <laughs> Did that come from, you know, there was a real guy by the name of, of John Chambers, and his, his goal in life was to, to plant apple trees all over the place, so they call him Johnny Appleseed. And so I want, I want to haunt you today with the fact that the Lord is good to you. So let's go ahead and play this, this song. Josh said we were finished with the cartoons from Disney. This is from 1948 Disney. We're not, Pastor Josh, sorry, we'll do it. The Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and rain and an apple seed. Yes, he's been good to me. I owe the Lord so much for everything I see. I'm certain if it weren't for him, there'd be no apples on this limb. He's been good to me. Oh, here am I neath the blue, blue sky, doing as I please, singing with my feathered friends, falling with the bees. I wake up every day as happy as can be, because I know that with his care, my apple trees, they will still be there. Oh, the Lord is Lord is good to me. Lord is good to me. So I want to do something. I want to, I want to mess with you today, okay? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have to do a reverse offering right now. So we're going to pass, I'm going to ask all of our, our ushers to take the offering. Would you go back, meet Pastor Josh? And we're going to pass out apples to everybody. And <laughs> so ushers, would you please go in the back and just pass these? Take, a, take an apple. Just go ahead and start munching on your apple. And... Um, because from now on, every time you take a, a bite of an apple, every time you or see an apple tree, I want, I want you to have it going through your mind, oh, the Lord is good to me. And so I thank the Lord. You know, uh, there's just, uh, it's just something that uh, we, we have a good God. He's so good to us. And sometimes we can get carried away with some of the pains in life that we, we forget. So just go ahead and pass those and, and, and just munch on that apple. And as you're munching on it, saying, you know, the Lord's been good to me. You know, uh, I, I, I get this great little apple. Uh, I get a lot more than just an apple. So anyway, you know, we, we, 
we live in this world of skepticism and of scoffers, and because of that, sometimes we can forget the goodness of the Lord. People will not just deny the existence of God, but they will you know, scoff at anyone who would even believe in God, that they would just you know, call you off and call you a, a fool. Uh, and, and I want to talk today about keeping this frame of mind for believers that, that the Lord is good to me. And so, you know, whether you find yourself in a, in a hurting place or you find yourself in, 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 in a great place, I, I want to challenge you today to, to live in that mentality of, you know, God is, God is good and I am going to make sure that I'm keeping my mind focused on all of the good things of the Lord. When I'm faced with a difficult situation, maybe some of you have gone to the doctor and you got a diagnosis that was a little awkward. And, oh, God, 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 where are you now? Where are you now? Maybe you have gone through a situation in work where maybe you've lost a job or you're you're in a financial situation and losing a home, and God, God, where are you now? If God is a good God, why do bad things happen to me, and what, what's going on? The West, Westminster Confession, one of the documents is, 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 is of our Christian faith, is the idea that, uh, that the Christian is always going to be in a battle. And as long as we're here on planet Earth, there's going to be a battle, but at the same time, I want to encourage ourselves to say, you know what, but God is good. God is not changing. God, God does not change. He's always been good, and he says he creates things, and he says it is good. This is the God that we serve. And so this morning, as we are looking at these ideas of how do I keep the attitude in the place in my mind that God is good without getting sarcastic and without, without getting skeptical. Even though life can be tough from time to time. It's a passage in the book of Psalms and it's, uh, it's David crying out from all of his heart from a, a place that's that it's hard. He's in a hard place. So we're going to look at this passage in Psalms. We're going to start at the second part of... Uh, of uh, chapter six, chapter uh, one sixteen, uh, part B of, of verse two, the danger of death was all around me. The horrors of the grave closed in on me, and I was filled with fear and anxiety. And then I called on the Lord. I beg you, Lord, save me. The Lord is merciful and good. Our God is compassionate. I'm hurting. The grave is closing in on me, and man, but God is compassionate. Hey, Gary, go ahead and pass the rest of those apples out. Anybody not get an apple? Anybody get an Pass them out to it. They're all gone. Let's eat all these apples, okay? There's nothing worse than a brown apple. They don't taste any different, but we don't eat them, you know? Um, so, so we're going to eat all these apples. Uh, I get an apple. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good to me. And 
And I beg you, Lord, to save me. And the Lord is merciful and, and good. And our God is compassionate. Let's go on to the next part of the verse. The Lord protects the helpless. And when I was in danger, he saved me. Be confident, my heart, because the Lord, what? The Lord has been good to me. Are you letting the Lord be, be good to you? Are you thanking him when those good things come, when, when the blessings of the Lord is there? Are you saying, Lord, thank you for, for the... It's a little tough right now. It's a little awkward right now. But God, I'm not going to let this drive a, a wedge in between my relationship with you. In Romans in chapter 11, Apostle Paul is, is crying out because he understands this goodness of God. In chapter 11, verse 33, he says, How great are God's riches! How deep are his wisdom and knowledge! Who can explain his decisions? Who can understand his ways? And the scripture says, Who knows the mind of the Lord? Who is able to give advice? Who? Most Americans feel like we are able to give God advice, don't we? God, I'll tell you how to do it. I, I know you got some problems with this God thing. We got it covered here, God. We'll, we'll tell you how to do it. Who is able to give advice? For all things are created by him, and all things exist through him and for him. To, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so David is, is crying out with this idea that, you know, there's going to be some times when it's going to be tough, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. I'm still going to keep in my mind that, that God is a good God. A couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with you just some of the, the ideas about it, a group of Christians in, 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 um, in Iraq that are, that are being, uh, becoming martyrs for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will not convert, and because of that, many of them are being killed. And I, I, I challenged you to do something. I gave you some homework, and I said, call your political representatives and and. and have them put pressure on the president to protect these Christians, to, to fight, for, to, to, to send them the aid that they need. Um, we got a couple of report. Well, it's not that bad. Don't worry about it. And then the next day we find out that 47 Christian men were taken out, machine gun, and then went through, and then were shot again for the ones they thought might be alive. The women and the children were taken, and uh, uh, their lives have been totally changed. And, and somebody said, well, I'm not sure how to do that. Okay, Diane Feinstein's phone number is. <laughs> write this down, write this down. Call Diane Feinstein and say, would you put president on, uh, pressure on the president to take care of these people? Her phone number uh, in her office here in Los Angeles is area code 310-914-7300. Just call and say, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll get a recorded message, you know. I'm concerned about the Christians in Iraq. Please tell our president to, to, to step up and to do something. Fax number is uh, 310-914-7318. And this is a way that we can do something for, for those that are in trouble and that we can call and we can... And, and I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them. But... Sometimes it seems like God is slow in responding to our situations, and sometimes we can find ourselves becoming almost like sarcastic towards God. We allow this wedge to be driven between, between us and God of, oh boy, 
God, where are you? Where are you when I needed you, God? Come on, God, hurry up, Lord. And you see, the knowledge and the understanding that we have of the world around us, it can be, it, it's just, it's increasing greatly. We understand things we've never known before. The internet can give you instant access. You can, you can find out things instantly. And maybe the, the knowledge in our world is, is increasing. But there are still boundaries to the human mind to be able to understand God. We will never be able to put God in a box. And Paul understood this when, when he said the idea that, that, that the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God is, is huge and gigantic. That, that how great are the riches of God, how deep is his wisdom and knowledge. But what we do know and what never changes is that God is good, that we serve a good God. Here in this present evil age, we may have some difficult times. According to the Westminster Confession, we will have some difficult times. But God is still good. And we need to remind ourselves of that and find those little things if it's tasting an apple. And I've got to be honest with you. I hope every time you bite into an apple for the rest of your life, you say, God's good. <laughs> God's good. If you just bite into an apple and you say, the Lord is good to me. It's a place that keeps us focused on this incredible God that we serve. And so there comes this point in our human mind when, when we just simply have to put our trust in the wisdom and the love of God. That is as smart as we think we are realizing that God is beyond me. And this passage that we read in, in the book of Psalms is that the idea that, that, that God is there and that God is merciful and when we call on the Lord, that the Lord is going to be there to answer, because the Lord has been good to me. And this is how David focuses it all together. Yeah, the grave is coming in on me. It's closing in on me. And I'm filled with fear, and I'm filled with anxiety, but it, it doesn't make any difference, because, because the Lord has been good to me. You know, so how do, we, how do we find that place to, to praise God, to focus on the good, goodness of God when there's unanswered questions in our life about events, about finances, about loved ones, about our own health? How is it still possible to praise God? And in Psalms, in, I'm sorry, in Romans in chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul kind of brings it all into focus and and, and he comes across with this, this idea of, of the, the, the idea that, that God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. That it's not because we're, we're good that God loves us. It's because God has taken those first steps of love and that is the goodness of the Lord. He started his walk off with you that way He's never changed it. God has never quit seeking you. We started off our, our worship time this morning saying that, that, that your love will, will come and find us, Lord. 
and that, that, that the joy of the Lord, that he, he, he's there and that we find strength in, in that joy of the Lord. And God started his relationship with us based on the fact that he loved us and he never changes. It's one of those characteristics of God. He's immutable. He's not, he's not mutating. He's not changing. Our God is unchangeable. God loves you and he will never quit loving you. He will never say, I can love you more if you will just straighten up. We serve this God of love because the Lord is good and the Lord is good to you. And so we can be confident. We can be confident in in the difficulties that we may face and some of the problems that we may have because we know that the Lord, the the Lord is, is, is good. The Lord is good to us. And that none of us would deliberately harm anybody that we love. And the Lord will never harm us. But instead, he's always going to say, I'm going to be there to walk with you. When you're facing that grave, it may be closing in on you, but, but I'm there with you. And, and I'm going to help you. See, the enemy of God wants to drive a wedge between us and God. He wants us to get in that sarcastic and that, that, that skeptic mentality. Well, if God is good, if God is good, why does it happen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these Christians, they say God is good, but why? Yeah, if God's good, why? And so we start to choose God off. We begin to get the idea of, well, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if I can do that. I can't put my trust in God. And Satan wants to get us to say, well, I don't know if God really knows or cares. And, he, and when we allow the enemy of God to drive this wedge, to separate us from, love, from God's love, to begin to even doubt God's love. Now, I, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with saying, God, why? But if you do that, stick around for the answer. It's, it's, anybody can say why and leave. But stick around and, and let God explain to you why. And if it doesn't come across in the right way, God, I put my trust in you just simply because you are you. It's a passage in Proverbs in chapter 19 and verse 3. This is from the message. I love it from the message. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. (laughs) So why does God always get the blame? (laughs) You know, we, we, we make bad choices, and then we blame God. And God, if you were good, God, why did it happen? See, we cannot let our questions of why lead us to distrust the love of God, whether God has any concern with us at all. We'll never know all the answers to, to our questions. But we should never doubt God's love. We should never choose off God's love and God's compassion towards us. And making certain that we are always staying on God's side. And it is, it is not uneducated to say, God, I don't understand, but I'm still going to trust you. You know, we get in that place of of, of saying, oh, God, I, I just, I'm just not sure, God, I'm just not sure. God, why? I, th- I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. God, I don't get it now, so God, I can't trust you anymore. 
but it's saying, God, I understand you. I understand your nature. I know that you will never harm me. You have nothing but good. God intends, but nothing but good for his kids. Those places we, those, those that skepticism, it, it leads us to places of, of, of honestly, of, of boredom with our religion, our relationship. And we move into religion. We move away from relationship. And after a while, we realize that, that you know, I'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll try and serve God, but it's just not what I thought it was going to be. See, we get bored. It's not because God has changed. It's because we're the ones who've, who've moved away from God. We feel unfulfilled because, not because he's, he stopped working, but because we've quit hanging out with God. And the answer to, to, to that, that relationship that, that begins to, to back off is to, is to show up. There's an old, old story. This is for, for the, the older people. You'll understand this one. It was back in the days when, when cars had just the one seat and a guy would pick up his girlfriend and she'd sit right next to him, you know, and you know, he'd put his arm around her and drive, you know. Some of you remember that. But... Uh, but there's a little, little story about, you know, this, 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 the girl that says, you know, I just don't feel like we're close anymore. And she's not sitting next to him. She's sitting over by the door. And uh, she says, you know, I just don't feel like we're close anymore. And, uh, and he's, he's driving. He says, I'm still sitting in the same place. You see, sometimes, you know, see, realize, you know, God is still sitting in the same place. And then we've kind of moved away. And they say, I don't feel close anymore, God. I don't feel close anymore, God. God's saying, you know where I am. You know where I am. And so we need to, we need to show up. We need to show up in, in, in that relationship and quit relying on, on, on past experiences and to, to renew that energy, that love relationship with the goodness of God. And if I want to infuse my faith with the excitement then I need to continually be moving closer to God and learning more of this incredible God that, that is there. If I, want to, if I want to experience the goodness of God, then I've got to, to move ahead. John Ortberg, many of you know, he wrote a book a number of years ago, and the title of the book was, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. And, you know, in, in this book, you know, it's just the idea that, you know, we, well, we know the story that Peter gets out of the water and gets out. We're not sure how far he gets out, but he's out of the boat and he's walking on water and he looks around and says, whoa, this is scary out here. And he doubts and he starts sinking. And, you know, and he cries, oh, Lord, save me, you know. And Jesus does something, you know. Jesus reaches down and says, why did you doubt? You know, and pulls him up, you know. But the, the issue is, at least he got out of the boat. You know, did he, you know, let's forget about the fact that he doubted later on and fouled it up. At least he did something that nobody else has ever done. I mean, I, you know, I, I was on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and I was tempted. <laughs> but I, 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 had, I had a lot less faith than Peter had. But, uh, but, but, but at least he got out. At least he did something. And sometimes in our Christian walk, we just simply need to, to get out of the boat. There, there's no other stories about people getting out of the boat and walking. Even the disciples, when they, saw, when they saw Peter walking, they still stayed in the boat where it was safe. 
But Peter stepped out. And sometimes, folks, we just simply need to say, you know, God, God, I'm going to step out. If, you, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. And so the Lord tells him to come, and he gets out, and then he doubts. But moving ahead and saying, God, at least I tried. At least I, I did something. And so there, the, the stories are, are about that. It's not about the, about the ones that, do, that, that doubted in the boat. Now, here's the problem if you have a Kapchinsky mind, is that what happened after Jesus pulled him out of the water? <laughs> what happened? You know, what, what kind of party did these guys have then? What did, what did Jesus and, and Peter do at that time? You know, uh, did they run and skip across these waves? Did they, you know, how, I, don't, I don't know what they did, but the mind gets dangerous about that at that point, you know. Wow. Wow. You know, thanks, Jesus, for pulling me out of, out of my doubt. And sometimes when we begin to say, you know, that place of doubt, God, forgive me for doubting, and I want to move ahead in you. So it's that place of that simple prayer, the heartfelt prayer of, God, I, I, I want you to be a part, more of a part of me in, in every way. God, yeah, I'm, I'm human. I have my doubts. I hurt when I experience some bad things. But God, I know you. I, I remember you, Lord. I remember when you saved me. I remember the hopelessness that I felt and the joy of salvation that came, that strength of, of, of serving you. And so, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to go after you. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul knows that he's going to be leaving the earth pretty soon. And he's going to pass this torch to Timothy here. And he's going to say, Timothy, there's a lot of things out there for a young man that can, can get your attention and can cause you to, to fall away from the Lord, to even, even doubt the Lord. There's a lot of things out there. But you, Timothy, this, again, this is from the message, and this, the, this, the, the title, subtitle is, is Running Hard. I, I love that. I love that. But you, Timothy, man of God, run for your life from all of these things. These things that would cause you to be a skeptic and cause you to doubt and cause you to say, oh, God's not good. God's not good to me. He's good to other people, but eh, for me. Pursue a righteous life, a life of, of, of what? Life of what? Life of wonder. Pursue a life of wonder. Not a bored life. Life of wonder and faith, love, steadfastness. Why do you think you put courtesy in there? Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life that you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. A lot of times, you know, we, we look at our lives and we say, well, this, that was back then. And Paul is reminding Timothy of that life that he embraced so fervently. That God changed my life. God did great things for me. And, you know, while I'm warning about living on past, I also want to encourage you to remember the past of what it was like when, when Jesus Christ came in and changed your life. We can get so used to living in hope 
that we forget how beautiful the hope that we live in is. We can get so used to living in the goodness of God that we forget how good it is to live in the goodness of God. And sometimes we just need to to go back. And I know that if God hadn't have radically changed my my family's life, I, I wonder where I would be right now. But God radically changed my family's life. And that impacted my life. Sometimes we can forget. We can forget about that hope of salvation. We were hopeless and we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, forgave us and that burden fell away. We can forget that so easily. And I want to show you a part of this video of Father of Lights. It's a part where we see a, a, a guru, a Maharishi, whose life is radically changed. Ravi is, a, um, is an Indian a missionary. He goes to India and he's doing work there. He's, he's an American, but he goes to India and he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God speaks to him on a daily basis, says, go do this. And this one particular morning, God spoke to Ravi and said, you're going to go to this particular place and, 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 God, and, and you're going to meet this certain person. He's going to explain it very well. And this is a, and I want you to understand something very quickly about, about this, 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 this video is that, you know, Pastor Josh has been to this temple that you're going to see in a couple of minutes. You know, it kind of looks like, oh, that's a nice little temple. It's, it's a place, that this, this temple is a place where, where they literally run over, people are, they, they're possessed by the devil, they, they pass out, they, run over, they, they are run over with carts and just simply cut in two, and that's just the way that it goes. Um, just right around the corner from this place, children are, 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 are sold into, and as, as sexual slaves. And, and here is the, the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is coming into this place. I want you to pay attention to something. I want you to pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're tuned into the Holy Spirit, you're going to see, you're going to see with your eyes a spiritual process. You're going to see something. and You're going to see salvation. You're going to see eternity changed for a human being. Let's go ahead and roll this clip. While we were with Ravi, we drove five hours to this enormous temple. Ravi had told us that morning that God had shown him a man we were supposed to find. He didn't know his name, just what he looked like. White beard, orange robe, with a turban on his head. So we walked and searched and looked around and then... White beard, turban. Saffron clothes. Saffron? That's same. There he is. Samuel got him. No freaking way. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's one thing to read about this stuff happening in, like, the book of Acts but it's something else entirely when it's happening right in front of you. Who was this person? Why did God tell us to find him? This was in the Sanesi activity. 
ಸಮಸ್ಯೆ ಆಗಿದೆ ವಿಶ್ವಾಸದಿಂದ ಬಾಲ್ಯದಿಂದ ನಮ್ಮ ತಂದೆ ತಾಯಿ ನಮಗೇನು ಹಾಲು ಕುಡಿಸಿ ಒಂದು ಎರಡು ತಿಂಗಳು ತಿಂಗಳಿಂದ ಬಿಟ್ಟಿದ್ರೆ ಅವಾಗಿಂದ ನಮ್ಮ ಗುರುಗಳಿಗೆ ನಮ್ಮ ಹೌದ್ರಿ ಸರ್ ಯಾಕಂದ್ರೆ ಕೊಡ್ತಾರೆ ಯಾಕಂದ್ರೆ ಅವ್ರವ್ರ ಭಾವ ಅವ್ರವ್ರ ಮನಸ್ಸು ಅವ್ರವ್ರ ಬುದ್ಧಿ ಅವ್ರವ್ರ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಹೇಗಿರ್ತೈತಿ ಹಾಗ ಪ್ರಕಾರ ಮೇಲೆ ತಪಸ್ ಮಾಡಿರ್ತಾರ ದೇವ ದಿಷ್ಟಿ ದಿಷ್ಟಿಯಲ್ಲಿ ನೋಡ್ಕೊಂಡು ತಿಳ್ಕೊಂಡು ಅದನ್ನ ಅದನ್ನ ಒಂದು ದೀಕ್ಷೆ ಮಾಡ್ತಾರ ಒಂದು ಲಿಂಗ ದೀಕ್ಷೆ ಆಗ್ಲಿ ಒಂದು ರುದ್ರಾಕ್ಷಿ ದೀಕ್ಷೆ ಆಗ್ಲಿ ಶ್ರಮದಿಂದ ನಡೀಪ ಹಾದಿಯಲ್ಲಿ ಅಪ್ಪ ತೆಪ್ಪ ಬೇಡ ಸುಳ್ಳು ಹೇಳಬೇಡ ಕೆಲವೊಂದು ಯಾವ ಕಳತನ ಸುಳ್ಳುತನ ಕೆಟ್ಟತನ ದೃಷ್ಟಿ ಬುದ್ಧಿಗಳನ್ನ ಶೀತ ಸಮಗ್ರ ಭಾವದಿಂದ ಹೋಗಂತ ಹೇಳ್ತಿರ್ತಾರ ಆದ್ರೆ ನಾವು ತಿಳ್ಕೊಂಡು ಅದೇ ಭಾವದಿಂದ ಏಕಾಚಿತ್ತ ಜ್ಞಾನ ಸ್ವರೂಪದಿಂದ ಹೋಗ್ಬೇಕು ಧರ್ಮವೇ ಧರ್ಮ ರಕ್ಷಣೆ ಧರ್ಮ ರಕ್ಷಿಸ್ಕೊಂತ ಹೋಗ್ಬೇಕು ಧರ್ಮನ ಕೇಳಿಸ್ಕೋಬಾರ್ದು ಸೊ ನಿಮಗೂ ಬಸವಣ್ಣಗೂ ವ್ಯತ್ಯಾಸ ಇದೆ ಇಲ್ಲ ಬಸವಣ್ಣ ಬಸವಣ್ಣವರ ನೀವು ಅದೇ ಲಿಂಗ ಸಮಾಜದಲ್ಲಿ ಇದ್ರಾ ಅಥವಾ ಲಿಂಗ ಸಮಾಜ ನೀವು ಅದೇ ಲಿಂಗ ಸಮಾಜ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಅ ಕ್ರೌಡ್ ವಾಸ್ ಗ್ಯಾದರಿಂಗ್ ದ ಟೂ ಡಿಸೈಡೆಡ್ ಗೋ ಟು ಅ ಲೋವರ್ ಟೆಂಪಲ್ ಫಾರ್ ಮೋರ್ ಪ್ರೈವಸಿ ಟು ಟಾಕ್ ಅಲಾಂಗ್ ದ ವೇ ರಾವಿ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೈನ್ ದಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ವಾಸ್ ಅ ಮಹರಿಷಿ which is a guru of gurus the hindu equivalent of a bishop maharishis are not even allowed to hear the gospel he should have incited the crowd to stone us instead he wanted to talk more why we found out pretty quick yella vede kelavondu jnana adu altarakkoda and he saw me and he didn't know what where to meet this fellow no in, in the dream. dream someone told him to do this he doesn't know what who it is uh but then he says that is right that's asu that's jesus uh uh sign his dreams uh until then he didn't know who that is guy okay, but now he knows yes jesus yeah think about this days ago This Maharishi has a dream where Jesus appears and tells him to go to this temple on this day and he shows him a picture of Ravi. At the same time, we've been told by God to go to this temple on this day to find a man with a white beard, saffron robes, and a turban on his head. Needless to say, Ravi now has the Maharishi's undivided attention. ನೀವು ನಂಬು ಮುಖಾಂತರ ದೇವನ ನಂಬು ಮುಖಾಂತರ ನೀವು ರಕ್ಷಣೆ ಹೊಂದ್ತೀರ ನೀವು ಮೋಕ್ಷ ಹೊಂದ ಮೋಕ್ಷ ಹೊಂದಿರೋ ನಂಬಿಕೆ ಇದೆಯಾ 
At this point, a Maharishi becomes a Christian, and he, more than anyone, realizes the holy nature of this moment, and he removes his sandals because he is on holy ground. You are staring in the face of a miracle. A man who has searched his whole life for his father finally finds him. Six months later, Ravi visited us in Chicago and gave us an update on how the Maharishi is doing. Well, this guy has gone back and he's talked to his uh, disciples and they, they've been following Jesus and, uh, and he's talked to the followers, people come from everywhere and they've, they've been, he's been talking to them. Uh, uh, as far as I know, uh, that he is, he is well protected by his own people. He was performing, obviously he's performing miracles too. So headaches and stomach aches that he's, he's dealing with. Uh, that's one thing that's protecting him that people see the power that he has from God and they have to believe him. And he's been, uh, he's been prophesying it seems, he's just been telling things, what's happening for tomorrow, uh, future. I mean, he's giving all the credit to what Jesus did in his life. To what Jesus did in his life. I, I hope your spiritual eyes saw the miracle of conversion. 
I hope that you, you were able to, to, to click in on the goodness of God who saw man's heart. And he sought him with all of his heart. Our skepticism was the, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really hard to find a guru dressed in a saffron robe and a turban with white beard. Explain to him how he had the dream of the face of the, the of Ravi who was going to come and tell him. Oh, our skepticism can rob us of so much of the goodness of God. Just the simple fact of God, you are good. God, you are good. Let God be good to you. Let God be good to you. You know, if you've never stepped across that line of faith and if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to have the wisdom of this guru. Can you imagine the frustration the Beatles would have felt if they would have found him? We, want, we don't want to do business with the true living God. We want to live in a fantasy. But, but he found God. And if you haven't found Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet, may I encourage you to do it today. Let today be the day that you, you do what he did. And to see Jesus, to understand that he is God and that he did pay that price for our sins and we can have that relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. In a couple of minutes, we're going to take, receive the offering. And if you would tear off that thing that Josh mentioned earlier, mark that proper box on, on there that says that I want, I want to, to give my life to Christ. We'll give you a call this week. But what I would encourage you to do more than that is the close of the service. Come to the front. Do serious business with God. Meet this loving God, this good God that has nothing but good in mind for you of eternity with him. And this is the good God that we serve. I'm going to ask the ushers if they will come to the front. And as they're coming, that, that you would just simply focus on the goodness of the Lord. And Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Father, we, 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 we love you. We understand that you are good. And that you, you send people around the world to, to be an answer to that prayer of somebody saying, I'm seeking God. And there is only one true God to, to be found. And so, Father, I, I pray for everyone here, Lord, for a, a refreshing of our, of our fascination with you, our, our energy for you. Father, I pray for everyone here, maybe for those who who are considering the claims of Christ, that they will understand your goodness and that they will follow you completely and totally. And Father, forgive us of our skepticism. God, forgive us of our sarcasm and help us to embrace the goodness of, of our Lord and Savior. God, bless as, as we return to you. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.